1: Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com slash outnowpodcast. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's www.audibletrial.com slash outnowpodcast. Previously on Out Now with Aaron and Abe.
2: Hey, I just fell upon a quarter million dollars like Andrew Dice claim, Blue Jasmine.
1: You know, I can really get you a good return on that.
2: You're talking like 6 or
1: 7%? No. I'm talking about, like, 20%.
2: Whoa. How are you going to do that? Merchandising.
1: Spaceballs the T-shirt. Spaceballs the coloring book. Spaceballs the lunchbox. Spaceballs the breakfast cereal. It's Spaceballs
2: the flame, broa. And last but not least, Spaceballs the doll.
0: May the Schwartz be with you. (laughs) Uh, (laughs)
2: uh, (laughs) If you mean a return of 20% on comedy, then I'm in.
1: No, seriously. I invested in 1987 Spaceballs merchandise, and I need to unload it. It didn't go up in value as much as my Blazing Saddles items. Wait a minute. I forgot my introduction. (IM情況) Introduction. Introduction. Ladies and gentlemen. Is everybody feeling all right? Is everybody feeling all right? Right on, We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is...
2: Abe! Hello! Hello.
1: Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discussing new movies weekly. We also bring a discussion about the latest movie trailers, box office results and predictions, a callback to past films similar to the main film of the week, games. And other fun stuff, this is episode 118, 118, yes, that many. And that's a lot. That's right. And tonight we are talking about Woody Allen's latest feature, Blue Jasmine, starring Kate Blanchett and a host of other people, actors, actresses, performers, what have yous. And joining us to discuss Blue Jasmine, we have, from things I know about the movies, currently recovering from a nervous breakdown, Adam Gentry.
0: Hey guys, what's up? How sad, you're recovering from a nervous breakdown. You know, I, I didn't even realize, but I have Aaron to tell me these things, so I'm good. I make sure to like, know <laughs> the important facts.
1: You're on the comeback up, though, so that you know you're swinging
0: swing back in. We, we, we've been balling,
1: Chuck Holland. Um Let's uh do a little little show announcement stuff here. Um, yeah, we uh, contest stuff. We have some contests going. We've we've had um, that conjuring contest going, the the ghost, favorite ghost story in Y, while. We've had a few responses so far. Yeah, I'm gonna, we're going to keep that contest open. A couple. Maybe a few weeks more and just, uh, you know, see how many we can get and then we'll kind of pick from there. But yeah, the winner of that contest will receive a free copy of The Fog on Blu-ray, the brand new edition of The Fog. Unopened. And, um, yeah, favorite ghost story and why? You know, we won't even open it. I like that. Email us podcast at com, or <laughs> right send us a message on facebook.com com, slash podcast, and uh, you can possibly win a copy of The Fog. New contest though. Here we go to the next one um we like to get itunes reviews and ratings it helps out the show and i'd like to think that people like listening to the show and they you know that's why they listen to us every week and it'd be so great if they could give us an out now itunes viewer rating and so were you to do this i hope that we can get like a, a few more in like the coming weeks a, a good a, like a good several more and I'll, I'll put all those people who do so into a raffle and um the winner of that raffle will get a double pack of Blu-rays. I got, I got a couple really cool Blu-rays that I could just send out to somebody. And so, uh I guess Is one of them, RoboCop. <laughs> no, well, uh, it was not RoboCop. That help! Don't get their hopes up for something that's not. <laughs> don't, don't guess. Someone's <laughs> uh, <laughs> gonna be like, "Oh, not getting RoboCop." No, not getting RoboCop. <laughs> Never Can't mind. Wait. I was, I was logging onto iTunes and I'm stopping because it's not RoboCop. It's so okay. not RoboCop so no. far. <laughs> I'm not, don't do that either. Don't make me have to go out and buy RoboCop on Blu-ray so I can put it into a price. Okay, everybody,
0: all getting RoboCop.
1: <laughs> yes! <laughs> all this should come out now, because this is just too bad. <laughs> Moving out, on.
0: Out now, I like that. Out now. Thanks, Adam. Anytime.
1: So, people can enter in an iTunes review rating. It'd be awesome. They can indicate to us via, you know, like, Facebook or some other form of messaging us, messaging us that they've done so. And um, we'll enter your name to a raffle. And the winner of that raffle will get a, a double pack of Blu-rays that I'll send their way. We'll uh, keep that contest open for a while because we want to we want to get some more iTunes reviews and ratings. It helps out the show. It helps us out, I and mean, you know, I think it would make anyone else feel good. They're listening to the show and haven't reviewed us yet. They're like, hey, you know, what? we should review them. It helps out the show. I
2: like yeah. listening. Why don't I review it? A one a one word review would be fine. Like good, period, and then five
1: <laughs> Or like Wait. Abe has a sexy voice. That'd be amazing. Like
2: I don't have Jim Deeds' voice though. That's that's it's impossible for me to have.
1: So, yeah, there you go. There's that. And, uh, yeah, let's move on. Let's get to a little uh, know everybody. Each weekend out, out there, and Abe, we try to get to the tone for the podcast. going better get to know everybody. So we're going to ask each other some questions here. That's what we're going to do. And I'm going to let Abe start this one off this week.
2: Awesome. Adam. Yes, sir. If you were Woody Allen and you were writing yourself in movies all the time, what's a genre that you would never write yourself in a movie
0: for? If I were Woody Allen, what would I never never write myself into. I don't,
2: I don't think he would ever do horror.
0: That's not true. Uh, maybe not intentionally. Um, that's a good one. Uh, what would I not do?
1: He's done thrillers. I, mean, so, I mean, Thrillers.
0: It's, uh, okay. True, he's done films with scary elements, but not a traditional horror film, if you will.
1: Well, the torture point. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Um... Well, I mean, horror is certainly a great example of something that I, it's hard to imagine him doing. Um, it's also hard to imagine him doing anything that was really, really sexual. You know, mm. It's one thing that I, I have a hard time imagining him doing just because, I mean, his films, you know, like, again, there are sexy things in certain films of his, but it's hard to imagine him kind of going all out, you know, on that front. So I'll go with, with horror and, uh, and sexy things.
2: I mean, and in combination. I
0: would, I would love to be Woody Allen and have the chance to write myself into the movie. That would be an amazing experience. I mean, like, think Christina Barcelona* is a pretty hot movie. Yeah, but I mean, but it's still, I mean, it's it's sexy in a in a more traditional way, in a quieter way. It's not like you're gonna get some big skin flick moment in a Woody Allen movie. Yeah, it's no enough. shame. Exactly. There, there are no dick shots. <laughs> um, if there's no, one days. movie that's if there's one movie that's sexual, it's shame.
1: Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> really, really get you going it's shame. Yeah, especially given the title. <laughs> you just know you're in for an erotic thrill ride with
0: shame—a Feel-good movie of the century, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get ashamed. Feeling something. Go ahead. Well, so, so, Abe, so totally, yeah. like, a, kind of a cookie-cutter question, but I'm really curious to know what you think. What's your favorite Woody Allen movie? Small-time cricks.
2: I don't know. Uh, the, I actually haven't seen too many of them. I've, the first Woody Allen movie I did see was Small-time Cricks, and that was, like, my brother brought it home from college, and... We are checking it out, and I was like, oh, this is kind of funny and awkward and weird at the same time, and Michael Rappaport is amazing. Downstairs
0: and they're drilling over next door. <laughs> they're drilling. <laughs> I do like Michael
2: Rappaport. I don't think that he uh, he gets as much acclaim as he he needs. Um, but uh, I really liked Midnight in Paris. That was like my number one movie in 2011. And again, I haven't seen too much of Woody Allen Sons, which I think is a, uh, I, I should feel bad for myself. So it's a limited answer, but I would say Midnight in Paris. Aaron, hey, that's me. You were having, yeah, you were having a nervous breakdown. What city do you retreat to to get back on your feet? Um, let's see, what city do I retreat to after a nervous breakdown? Um, huh? How would you handle
1: it? Would you go somewhere you'd never been before? or Would you go somewhere
2: like that you're familiar with? You probably, hmm. So, yeah, that's. that's a, I mean, Archer went somewhere he 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 had never been before.
0: So why More, not? Like, I, I'd like say like, like... Country air and like, you know, sunshine and stuff maybe.
1: What's like a, what's like a coastal city in Spain? <laughs> I have
0: no idea. It's a great
2: question. My geography is not that great. I'm looking it up right now. Well, now That's I'm weird. curious where Barcelona is. Uh, <laughs> I oh, Barcelona it. is a, it is it's a coastal, coastal. city. Right? Oh. It's up in the west. Yeah. That'd be awesome. So yeah. I, so why not? let yeah, say, say, say Barcelona.
0: It Barcelona works better worse. right now. It's like how to get back on your feet while learning Catalan. Exactly. How is it up in
1: the west? It's in the. It's like on the east tip of Spain. But anyway. <laughs> uh, oh
0: yeah,
2: I'm sorry. Yeah, I, my geography is on this. up
1: Apparently.
2: Abe, I'm upside down right now. I'm in space. I don't yeah. have.
1: A, I don't have a question for you. I was kidding. Um, <laughs> Adam. Yes, sir. Mia Farrow or Diane Lane? Sorry, Keaton. Diane Keaton. My bad.
0: For a second there, I was like, that "Whoa, that is. a strange comparison." Cool. Oh man, that is really tough. That is really tough. Um, I think pound for pound, if you were going for the number of great movies that they were in with Woody, you'd have to go with Keaton, just because Keaton has so many great films that she was in. You know, for Woody, whether it's you know Annie Hall or, or Manhattan or Bananas or Love and Death or Sleeper or whatnot. But that said. I am a huge sucker for Mia Farrow's performance in Hannah and Her Sisters, mm. so it's one of those things where I have to go. I have to give the nod for Keaton just for overall, just for how comprehensive, you know, her part was in in Woody's filmography. But with a lot of love for Mia, I mean, she wears that hat in Purple Rose. Oh my gosh, that hat and the sunglasses in uh, in uh, in Broadway Danny Rose that she only takes off like one time. Oh. Okay, so, uh, Abe. Yeah. Not Abe, I already asked you a question. Yeah, man? I have oh, no s- more questions s- to ask. S- silly. Silly, <laughs> s- s- Adam. S- screw <laughs> you, Abe. <laughs> no, so, Aaron, my question is that uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of times with Woody Allen films, the performances are really what gets a lot of raves, and, and and Blue Jasmine is no no exception. The performances are getting a lot of buzz. I'm curious to know, out of Woody's performances in his own films, which do you think is his best?
1: Woody, uh, Woody Allen in a movie. Um... Let's see. Um, God, that's good. It's funny because I like Manhattan more than I like Annie Hall, but I think Woody Allen's better in Annie Hall than he is in Manhattan. Um, with that said, Sleeper came to mind kind of immediately because he's, like, as much fun as it is to, like, listen to him tell his one-liners or what have you, he's such a great physical comedian as well. As Sleeper has some great, like, him, like, as the robot – um, in Diane Keaton's apartment or whatever, where he's like, he, he has, he's like, he's a robot, but he's also like in a moment where he has to like, he's he's getting high accidentally, essentially because he's trying to fake being a butt yeah. amongst all the party guests and like all. I'm gonna go sleeper. Sleep that just makes me laugh a lot. Like I think he 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 brings both like kind of the the dialogue heavy woodiness, but also the physical comedy
0: that makes. I, I love the bit where he's beating the instant pudding. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh so, yeah. my god, it's, it's And doesn't he get stuck inside the orgasmatron too? Yes. <laughs> it's yes. A... This movie already sounds amazing, I, I'm missing out on so Sleeper, much more comedy.
1: Sleeper is like 70s Futurama. Like before Futurama there was Sleeper, <laughs> cause it's so Woody Allen gets, you know, he get well not you know, but Woody, Woody Allen gets, but suddenly gets frozen in time, sent to the future, wakes up, and everything's like different. Uh, and so it's exactly it's, it's pretty amazing <laughs> it's, and then he has to like sort of lead a revolution it's, it's, yeah <laughs> it, it'd probably be it'd probably be in my top 10 Woody Allen movies I really like Sleeper a lot um, nice alright Abe yeah most uh, there's a que- this question is from uh, Joe Jans he, uh, sent oh okay a question, and uh, you can answer this I will, I'll allow I'll Adam to answer this as well I'll have all my right. own answer but here it is uh, thanks Joe Jans for this question most anticlimactic death in a film his vote would be Bump Baylor crashing through the right field wall to his death in the natural.
2: <laughs> Most unclimactic death.
1: Anticlimactic oh death.
2: anticlimactic. Anticlimactic death in a film. Hmm. Three immediately came to mind for me, but I'll let you know. Well Samuel L. Jackson in Deep Blue Sea uh, Hmm. Anticlimactic. Uh wait a minute. Uh What's his face? Stephen Seagal an executive decision. There you go.
1: That anti-climactic. It's,
2: it's <laughs> shocking, maybe. <laughs> Which is like he's like in the movie for like two minutes. He's like, oh, I guess he's dead now.
1: Okay. But it's not like he gets like. I guess it's moving. Like, it's, a- it's not, like he, gets, it's not like he gets like shot off screen. He's like, what happened to him? Oh, he died. Like it's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and
0: it's over. He's, over. he's he's good. He's done. Okay, whatever. Adam, you. Have I don't care? know. Uh, I think of two uh, pretty quickly. So, spoiler alert for these if you who haven't seen them. Uh, which you should. Uh, I think of Josh Brolin in No Country for Old Men.
1: That's exactly my first answer that I thought of. Just because,
0: like, it's, it's just, if you're not paying attention, you wouldn't realize that the main character has just died, um, which is really interesting. And I also think of Kevin Costner in Message in a Bottle because that threw me for Correct, a freaking that. loop. That's a movie.
1: Is that a Sparks book?
0: It is, it is indeed. Well, that comes with the territory, right? Well, it was just one of. Normally, with the Sparks books, so like if someone's gonna die, like it's telegraphed, and they they die really dramatically. Well, Adam, come on, it's called Message in a Bottle. It was telegraphed. Not so much, though. <laughs> not, 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 if you haven't
2: seen this film in a while. Ow! Yeah, I don't see it. How does that correlate? Come on. Uh,
1: yeah. Uh,
2: oh, Aaron.
1: Josh Brolin in No Country. Easiest answer for me. Uh, Vincent Vega in Pulp Fiction.
2: Yeah, I was thinking about that. And
1: um, although expanded universe has proven this to you know not be true anymore, Boba Fett and Return of the Jedi.
2: Yeah.
0: Mm.
1: As a massive Boba Fett fan, he just kind of goes out like a punk. But uh, <laughs> mm. he's not dead, so it doesn't matter. So there you go. And it
0: would have been a lot cooler too. I mean, it's one of those missed opportunities from the prequels when you think about how much cooler it would have been to not know what was under the mask. It was one. Of the, it was one of those like, oh, we could. We people like Boba Fett, huh? We know how
1: to handle this, and and there's like, oh wait, that was a massive mistake on our part. <laughs> Never mind.
0: Yeah, it's like if it, 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 <laughs> they could pull like a Metroid Prime, it could have been a chick. I mean, it would have been awesome. You guys like Boba Fett? You guess what?
1: Everyone's that's Boba awesome. Fett. Isn't that awesome, guys? Everyone's him. <laughs> no way. <wait, laughs> <not. So, laughs> yeah, impossible. Incredible. All right. Uh, I think that's how we uh play and know everybody, right? I think that. I think that's how we did it. I learned
0: like yeah, you know, a lot about yeah, the geography, so I'm thankful.
1: There you go. Out now, quickies. Yep. Each week, and out now, there and we talk about one main movie of the week, but we also have other movies that we tend to see during the week, so we have a little quick segment called Out Now, quickies. Yep. Okay. Adam, have you watched any other movies
0: this week? I have not been to the movies uh, this last week, so no, unfortunately. Not. I did, however, uh, catch uh, I watched Amelie again last night. Hadn't seen that in a long time, so that was fun to have a chance to see that movie again. Just there's so many great little moments. It's so much, you know, thought and just the level of invention that went into writing that script is just, it's just a really, really fun ride and it's just really encouraging when you think about the majority of, of American comedies and then you, you watch that one and it's just so quick on its feet and it's just pretty delightful.
2: Yeah, excellent soundtrack as well.
1: For sure. Abe?
2: Hey. Yes, I watched The Way, Way Back. Um, it's a good movie. I, I, I kind of, the the parental drama kind of uh bugged me a little bit, I, and also what's her face? Not in a bad way, but it was just very. It's kind of like the middle part, and kind of dra- like I have like no a dra- idea who what's her face is. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, no. I, I was there's gonna there's several that. what's her faces. I don't know yeah. who that is. Well, uh, the girl from the West Wing, the communications. Allison Janney, both. Allison Janney, something? yeah, she, she was amazing in the the first five minutes, and I was like, wow, she's really annoying as a character, and I think that's exactly the way that it's supposed to be. So yeah, I, good for them. But it's a good movie, I, I liked it, and I, I I did like, uh, I especially liked Liam, whatever his name is, Young Sean from, uh, from Psych, but, um...
0: You're picking on the Janny brother.
2: Yeah, well, she's, no, she's good in it, I, she's a great actress, but the character in itself, it kind of bummed me out, because all she does is just drink, um, but, uh, no, I, I liked the, uh, the story overall, and I especially liked the relationship between, uh, uh, I guess, what's his name in the movie? I don't know, I can't remember. But Liam and... Um, Sam Rockwell? Too? Sam Rockwell, yeah. I mean, Sam Rockwell, was uh, he was good in the movie. I'm glad that it wasn't like a... I'm glad the movie didn't go somewhere else with his character toward the end of the movie. So, yeah, I, I do recommend it. And I'm going to see The Spectacular Now probably either tonight or tomorrow. I'm
1: curious where else they could have gone with Sam Rockwell's character.
2: <laughs> well, just more of like, oh, wow, you're such a loser and... Like oh you like you were false to think that I was super cool. It'd be weird to have that happen and have Steve Carell play a dick in the movie. <laughs> like there's no adults I could look to. <laughs> exactly. And It's like oh I guess that this movie's just really sad. I'm adrift in a sea of ambivalence.
1: <laughs> I guess I'll be like Rob Corddry. He just stands in the background. He's
2: such a pushover.
1: And yeah. All right. Um, I've seen a few movies this week. I saw. One of the movies that came out this weekend, uh, "Closed Circuit," which has uh, Eric Bana and Rebecca Hall, it's not good. There's no reason to go see it. It's, um, it, it, you know, it could have been good. It's a, that's it's, a bummer because I, I root for
2: Eric Bana. And I do too, and
0: he's not yeah. bad. I was Rebecca Hall in the movie? Rebecca Hall
1: is the best thing about it. Um, but the movie is just—it's very—it's—it's a—it's a—it's a, a, kind of a legal drama uh, set in in Britain, so it's kind of interesting just to see, like, kind of that world, because, you know, you see a lot of American legal dramas, and you, you know, for us being Americans, and, you know, seeing a lot of those, you get, you have an idea of how that kind of plays out, and, you know, at least in movie world, but you don't get to see Brit- Britain very often, and that kind of, how that plays out. And so it, it's that, plus, like, a mystery, it basically, like, a, bomb, a terrorist bombing happens at the beginning of the film, and Eric Bana and Rebecca Hall are both lawyers trying to figure out, like, what actually happened. And the movie's just entirely predictable. You get to, like, A good like half an hour in when all the pieces are in play and you can really easily see where it's all gonna go because you're given almost too much information from the get go and it just doesn't play it out in any way that's interesting and the performances aren't strong, aren't like, they're not different enough or the movie doesn't do anything wild enough to really separate it from anything else that
2: you haven't seen that's better. So it's a legal courtroom drama that's exactly like a legal courtroom drama in real life. Very boring. (laughs) <laughs> in real life,
1: uh, yeah, I mean, it it tries to go like down some wild routes, but you just kind of see holes and what's going on and what have you. So mm. It's just not that good.
0: Okay. I mean, as a genre, it's one of those genres that you know, it's it's pretty easy to get pretty predictable pretty fast.
1: Like the if we did the, if we did a show on that episode, the callback would be Michael Clayton, and Michael Clayton's just vast. Michael system. Clayton's really good. Yeah. It's amazing how many times I've watched Michael Clayton, a movie that's entirely about George Clooney being stressed out and like talking to people. And I love that movie; I can watch it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like I might put it on in the background while I go to sleep
0: tonight. Just because. To <laughs> awesome. it's, it's, well, George Clooney's voice is very soothing. It is. Yeah. When you look at that one and the, like Duplicit,y it's such a drag to think about The Bourne Legacy with Tony Gilroy's career as a director, just because the first two movies are so cool. You get to Bourne Legacy, and it's just like, no, 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 don't do this. Uh,
1: uh, what I also saw uh, Prince Avalanche this is the new film from David Gordon Green who um, started out directing really cool indie movies like All the Real Girls and has gone on to directing a lot of the Apatow movies like Pineapple Express and uh, I guess the, the Sitter and Your Highness aren't Apatow movies but you know movies with those guys uh, but then he's now he's back to more um, more indie fare and this one has Paul Rudd and Emile Hirsch it's a uh, very, very quirky, kinda funny, decent. <laughs>
2: decent. I'd check it out though. It's... Is it a downer? Cause it looks like a downer.
1: Yeah, overall I would say it's not a downer, but it certainly plays up the dramatic beats as much as it plays up the awkward comic, comedic beats. There you mm-hmm. go. And uh, lastly I saw the Grandmaster.
2: Ah. What'd you think of that? It's beautiful. My god. There. But? The, 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 I uh, went for the other shoe to drop. The, the, oh, there's a big butt. The,
1: the, this, yeah. the, this, the cinematography of this movie is fantastic, and Tony Young is really good at this movie. It, it what separates it from from It Man is it, it it handles kind of the the philosophical side of what's going on with all this story, and it it, it doesn't quite capture like the same. I guess because it man's di- divided into like three i mean there's two movies and it kind of goes over his life in different pieces but i really like the first it man this movie kind of it goes over his life as a whole and i don't know whether it's because of the cut the the american version or just because it's just not a great one car y movie or not but it does be it does feel disjointed like that's the big, cut she, i'm told that, yeah,
0: that it, uh, they did do a, a pretty specific american cut i'm told that it kind of butchers. A masterpiece is what I'm told. I heard
2: that, too, I, I heard that they get like 30 or 40 minutes out of the. Original. It's
0: 20,
1: it's just 20, 20 okay. minutes. Um, I'd be, I mean, I'd be curious to see it again in, you know, its original version, which we'll know. Oh, doubt totally. It. But I mean, it's, I I don't know how much more I'm going to appreciate the movie until the whole version. Well, what like, got well,
0: me about that movie is just that towards the end, we totally just branch off and start telling the, the Zhang Ziyi character's story. Yes. And it's like, this is supposed to be a movie about it, man – and now we're off with her, and she's really cool.
2: Yeah. Oh And then
0: we get to the end and it's like, and it man did cool stuff and he was really awesome, and now we're done. It's like, no!
1: But there's far too much greatness in the cinematography, the beauty of the film, the way, yeah. the way it stages the fight scenes, the choreography involved. Well, it's, there. it's
0: Yen Ping fight scene. I know, yeah.
1: I mean, fight, so, fight. so it's like, it The guy's amazing.
0: Yeah. So it's like that mixed with, hey, Wong Kong-Wai is making a martial arts movie. So <laughs> fight scene at the beginning in the rain with, when then Kung Lee comes out. Yeah. It's oh, dear God. pretty fantastic. Mm.
1: And there's this one between Hitman and V that's really cool, too. There's just, it's so, yeah, there's so much there visually. And even just, I mean, regardless of, like, problems with the story, the story beats that you do see.
2: There's a lot of great ones that just work. So, curious for you both, I guess you guys both said, what would you rate it? I mean, because I haven't seen it, and I, from what you're saying, I kind of want to see it on DVD. But,
0: yeah, I, I would also...
1: I mean, I, uh, the idea. I ideally, the you would show. see. Ideally, you would see it on Blu-ray because I mean, it's that'll be the whole version of the movie you see. So uh, I see. I, okay. I'd wait just because you'll go into the theater, you'll have problems with it, or you could wait till the the in the original version of the film and see it in its entirety, and you know, hopefully appreciate. I'd be like
0: three, three and a half stars out of five if I were. It. I would too.
1: Yes, I agree. Mm. So, okay. I mean, that's just the, that's with like an asterisk.
0: <laughs> so and, and Tony is yeah. like literally one of the. He's one of the best actors <laughs> in the world. Now, here's here's
1: one thing I thought after I saw it, though. Tony LeLong as Batman would be amazing. I think Oh, that,
0: that oh dude, oh. mind blown! Right? How cool dude. would that be? Five foot six Batman? Cool yes. Is, well, Michael Keaton. He would just. He would uh, be the perfect Bruce Wayne, like right? as a playboy. How, he would cool, just, like, how cool would that be? <laughs> he would just smile and arch his eyebrow, kind of a little bit, and you'd be like, "Oh." You see the paradigm right now? We just stepped outside of it. <laughs>
2: We are rewriting the book. <laughs> Take that, Hollywood. You should listen to Out
0: Now with Aaron name.
1: <laughs> yeah, so there. But yeah. Um, and
0: At least, unlike Ben Affleck, he would not cry as Batman, Because you know Ben Affleck will cry at some point in that movie. I, I don't know about that. Maybe. He cries in every movie, dude. It's going to happen. I mean, that's, that's not true at all. But I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Name a movie he hasn't cried in. Like seriously, there was a good while there. Where he Argo. Good Hunting. Every <laughs> movie. Argo. <He> cries in <laughs> Argo in the in the hotel room with the bottle of whiskey. Was he crying in that scene? Yep, he cries in
2: goodwill Will Hunting.
1: He doesn't cry in Good Will
2: Hunting. Anyway,
1: the, the town. I don't think so either. He's the bomb in Phantoms, yo. So I mean, anyway. <laughs> What's uh? How's that? now, quickies? Jim. Yep. Watch. Oh, my God. Oh.
2: Uh, that is... it
1: took Way too long. Don't even try to edit the gaps
2: is on that. Is there a delay? I guess, I guess so. There's a delay in my... because I'm, I'm hearing you. Oh, Alright. Yeah. All right. There's no delay, eh? Trust me. Okay. <laughs>
1: Let's saying... do a little movie trailer talk.
2: Alright.
1: Each week we can talk about a couple latest movies here. Quick on that one. I don't know. You know
2: <laughs> right away you know we're talking about trailers. That's... I don't know what's going on. There must be a lag in your comcast or mine okay comcast another sponsor we're not sponsored by i'm not even using comcast there you go let's talk about some trailers though each week
1: we talk about some of the newest trailers and what's what we think of them when they're coming out what have you and the first one we have is saving mr banks this is a film based on the untold true story of uh author p.l travers um her story of mary poppins how she brought that to walt disney and how they made that into a very successful movie uh so there, Tom Hanks, this is L. Disney, Emma Thompson, C.L. Travers, there's a bunch of other people in the movie too, but with all that said, Adam, what do you think of the trailer for Saving Mr. Banks?
0: Uh, it looks okay. I mean, I think the cast is awesome. I mean, I have a similar sort of problem with that trailer that I did with the other trailer we're going to talk about, and it just, it strikes me that, like, it's Tom Hanks, whom I love, and I think he's probably, he's my, my, my favorite American actor, you know, alive today, you know, by far, by far, but it just, it seems like he's doing a voice. I mean, it looks fine. I'll totally go see the movie. I love Mary Poppins. I love Eva Thompson. I love Tom Hanks. So, I mean, I'll go see it. It just, the trailer doesn't particularly wow me.
1: Abe?
2: There's uh, some weird intrigue in the trailer that I think that they give away toward the end of it. And that kind of made me feel as though I already know too much about the film, which is what Mary Poppins is based on and, you know, what it means to this author. Um... I am interested to see, I guess, how much they can go further into it. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of, I guess, on the overall. If you take a step back, you're basically seeing how Walt Disney exploits this author to make this film because apparently <laughs> she has the rights, and without the rights, they can't make this movie. Uh, but I am interested to see Jason Schwartzman and B.J. Novak sing "Super califragil- like uh, "Super we no,
1: you messed it up, just, so it doesn't count. Huh? Sorry, I messed it up. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So I'm interested in it, but at the same time I'm I, I'm pretty sure that it's a it's probably a pretty good family holiday movie because it's coming on like December. Maybe. Yep.
1: Um. Yeah. It looks pretty by the numbers. Um. I'd like to think that there's, you know, more going for it just because you have Emma Thompson and Tom Hanks in the movie together. But at the same time, it looks so like family friendly, which just doesn't come as a surprise from as from director John Lee Hancock from uh the um, the Blind Side. Um. It. I mean, yeah, story seems interesting and what have you, but there's just there's nothing that's really compelling me to be like, oh man, can't wait to hear this untold story because it looks so just generic in almost every way.
0: Yeah, and then it's like you know Emma Thompson's told in the British mm -hmm. stuck-up thing, you know, oh you will call me Mrs. Travers, and we blah like,
1: oh. She she really loves the nanny thing, right? We've got two nanny McPhee movies and now this.
0: (laughs) You will not refer to us Mary, it must be Mary Poppins at all times. It's like what are we now? Captain Jack Sparrow, you can't uh, just say it.
1: But she but and you got yeah, <laughs> you have, you
0: have heard of her.
1: You have this beat in the trailer that's like so like, yep, this is what it's like where, where Walt Disney like comes to realize what, what Travers has been doing the whole time. It's like, oh, so she she doesn't save the kids, she saves the father. Oh, oh no. it. See, that,
2: that kind of gives it away, right? So how much intrigue can there really be? But I mean, going so, so, to get gonna go. For to just really so. gonna yeah, go I mean, it's
1: not like there's not like there's a threat. Oh, yeah. oh I hope this movie. I hope
2: Mary Poppins gets made at the end of
1: this. No, <laughs> I'm
2: sure, yeah, I'm pretty sure there's like no murder mystery behind it all. <laughs> but if there was, like, that'd be amazing. <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah, Save Mr. Banks opens in theaters December twentieth, two thousand thirteen. Uh, the next trailer we have is for August, Sausage County. This is a new film. Uh, adapt, adapt film from a, a play by Tracy Letts. Tracy Letts, who previously brought us Killer Joe and Bug, films that Marcus Robinson loves dearly. I think I said that right. I'm not quite sure, but I'm not gonna, you know, go back and trace <laughs> my steps. Anyway, it involves Meryl Streep and, uh, like, a whole bunch of people. know McGregor, Julia Roberts, Sam Shepard, Juliet Lewis, Chris Cooper, Benedict Timothy Carlson-Cumberbatch, Abigail Breslin, all, all these people. It's like a big, what, family, I don't know if it is, I don't even know if it's a family reunion or not, but the entire family kind of gets back together for some reason in Oklahoma, and Meryl Streep plays, you know, some kind of...
2: It feels like it a whack a kind of midwestern. A midwestern slash
1: yeah, that's what I think. Sad
2: moment so, something,
1: something that's not yeah. great about this. It's, you know, it's the Midwest Royal Town of of course, so there you go. Uh, Adam, <laughs> thoughts on this trailer?
0: It, amazing cast. Uh, doesn't look that interesting. And I feel similar, like I said with Tom Hanks, I mean, I feel like Meryl Streep, who is my favorite a female American actor working today. I mean, just, it just seems like she's doing a voice. I just, I don't feel it. I'm to- probably totally going to see the film because, again, the cast is fantastic and, you know, I'm actually probably most excited to see Julia Roberts, you know, in a, a film just because she's not in a lot of movies lately and when I saw the Chris Coopers in the movie, that was really exciting I love him. But yeah, it just doesn't seem that terribly interesting and I think the idea of a Midwestern Royal bombs is a good way of, good way of putting it.
2: Abe? Hey. Uh, I think that it, uh, I do agree with Adam about the, the Meryl Streep doing a voice kind of thing, and I'm pretty sure this should be fantastic in it. But the cast is pretty large and pretty lengthy. I haven't really seen Dermot Mulroney in a really long time. You but saw him in gray he, last year. Yeah, well, that was a long time ago, but he, he drives a Ferrari, and uh, I don't know if it's going to be one of those movies where they converge together to hash out all their feelings because this is the best time to do it, and so now we're gonna grow stronger as a family, cause that's really been done a lot in other films, and you know, you and McGregor were like right when I saw this, and I was like, oh, I guess it's sort of dealing with death. Um, <laughs> I immediately thought of like Beginners. I was like, that's a, it feels like that's a superior movie to this uh, right now, but I don't know where this movie is gonna go. Uh, I, I, I hope that it's not gonna be one of those tearjerker for an Oscar kind of movie.
0: Well, they're gonna try.
1: Hmm. I mean. Being familiar with Tracy Letts, I, I, I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case, but I do agree about Meryl Streep. It's like, okay, she's doing a voice and she'll probably get nominated for an Oscar for it. Good for her. <laughs> um, I, the most curious, the, the most curious thing I have about this movie is that, you know, we have Ewan McGregor here doing an American accent. I tend to hate Ewan McGregor's American accent, so it's nice to see Benedict Timothy Carlton Cumberbatch jumping in and I hope to see him pull it off even better. Um, that's my curiosity right there. The rest of the movie's like, yeah, all right, this exists. I'll probably see it, but I don't really. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as Adam. It doesn't really seem inherently interesting to me, besides the fact that dude, there's a very strong cast here. Um, I assume that the the play is quite acclaimed. <laughs> um, I know nothing about it. It um, and... could
0: use some fast Bender. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's got plenty. he's got he's got plenty going on this fall, so I'm not worried about that. Uh, I'm just saying. I think he would improve
1: the stakes. I I can't disagree with you. He's Michael Fassbender, but just yeah. Um, When does this come out? This comes out also like right around Christmas time too. I'm sure it's going to be limited and it'll expand throughout December or something. But uh, yeah, December 25th seems the official release date for now. Christmas Uh, Day. Yeah. Yeah. When when else would you want to see a movie like this?
0: Yeah. It's totally yeah. I mean, it'll get the family audience.
2: Yeah, it's the holiday movie of the season. Yeah. There you go. Right. Last year, Les Miz. This week, what?
0: what's the name of that third movie we're going to see? <laughs> uh, August Osage. Yeah, give me that movie. Come on.
1: I mean, it said in the Midwest. I imagine they know the names. <laughs> Pretty cool.
0: Maybe. I don't know. I still remember trying to buy a ticket for in New York, and like butchering the name. <laughs> Synodoch? Exactly. Like Synodochie?
1: <laughs> I remember the theater that we saw it at. I saw it at the in Irvine. I saw it, they, had, they had a phonetic spelling of it on the wall so people can see
0: because like there were so many other films with similar names that they you know you confuse the the teller I'll take the S New York movie please for 500
2: (laughs)
1: let's uh let's get into it guys let's get to our main review for Blue Jasmine when your sister had all that money, she wanted nothing to do with you. Now that she's
0: broke, all of a sudden she's moving in. She's not just broke. She's all screwed up. Cool enough, you know, you hear me? Help. Excuse me. Are you talking to me? just told me all about you. One minute you're on top of the world, the next. That turns out to be a crook. Well, how long are you planning on staying with Ginger?
2: No one wants to get out of here as
0: fast as I do. I'm sure this is a big come down from what you're used
2: to. You'll be very happy to know that I lost every cent of my own money. My husband was a slick operator. I was there a week. I knew the guy was hitting on a girlfriend. I, said, I, I can't, I can't, right. I can't. You choose losers because that's what you think you deserve, and that's why you'll never have a better life.
0: Okay. She doesn't care about you. She's a phony. Can you
2: please not fight in here? Don't think I can take it. For some reason, my Xanax isn't kicking in. All
1: right, so that should have been some of the trailer for Blue Jasmine. Um, after spending time abroad, Woody Allen has returned to America and decided to head to the West. Uh, Blue Jasmine takes place in San Francisco. It stars Kate Blanchett as Jasmine, a woman who has recently gone through a divorce and has suffered a breakdown, which has led her to move back with, him, with her sister who's also going through her own issues, given the various men in her life. We learn more about Jasmine via flashbacks, but get wrapped in the story surrounding her current attempt to figure out her life.
0: Adam Gentry, did you find Blue Jasmine to be a diamond in the rough? So now we're totally going to have, like, Aladdin as part of the movie callback. Um, (laughs) You know, I really liked Blue Jasmine, and I'm a huge Woody Allen fan, and I'm one of the rare Woody Allen fans that actually really likes a lot of his contemporary films, even some of the Films that a lot of folks have kind of disregarded. Heck, I even like Scoop, crying out loud. I was about to say, Scoop? I do. I like Scoop. It makes me happy. Um, but Blue Jasmine, I, I really I really quite enjoy it. Um, just because there's a couple things that kind of set it apart from a lot of his, his other films. A lot of times you'll with Woody, you get films about the upper class or films about the working class. You don't have a lot of occasions where the two kind of mix together. At least not recently. Um and this was a case where you know the Kate Blanchett character is coming from this life of of privilege that her sister can only, you know, imagine and then is sort of sort has to crash in this, you know, dingy apartment, she says, although it's actually like a fantastic apartment. Yeah. It is amazing. Um but that it's it's a it's a really interesting kind of meeting of these two worlds of you have this upper class woman who's crashing hard and, and trying to reevaluate her own life. Um But really, the thing that really makes this movie tick is Kate Blanchett. She is fantastic. This is probably, for my money, the best performance I've ever seen her give. She's a three-dimensional character, and she plays on some of the the Woody Allen kind of, you know, some of his usual bag of tricks, but in a really interesting way. I mean, a lot of times, characters in his movies talk to themselves, you know, because they're neurotic or they're trying to tell the audience things or things like that. You know, Kate Blanchett in Blue Jasmine talks to herself because she has to. She had a nervous breakdown and she is she's crazy. And it's it's a fantastic performance that, you know, will deserve any and all you know of the love that it that will hopefully you know get towards the end of the year. There's some other really good performances too, but ultimately for me this movie was all about Kate Blanchett. Yep.
2: I like this movie a lot too, and I especially uh wanna really harp on the performances of everybody, especially Kate Blanchett as well. The sword in itself I, I found to be very intriguing and sad at the same time. Um, I like the juxtaposition that that Woody Allen has put uh Kate Blanchett's character in, which is like, you know, very down to earth sister and then you have uh, flashbacks of her life in New York, um, and how how well her life was going. Um, it's it's very uh I don't know. I, I found that it's very interesting. The dynamic is, is between the sisters is quite interesting primarily because Ginger the sister is uh <laughs> it reminds me of Margot Tenenbaum now that you guys mentioned it because uh they always say that they're adopted. They're both adopted and you know, Kate Blanchett has the better genes and uh mm. Ginger is always like, "No, yeah, yeah. She's got the better genes." It, it's always funny that uh Ginger is always uh advocating and standing up for Jasmine even though Jasmine hardly has anything to say nicely about uh, her own sister. And I found that to be sad at the same time as well as interesting because Jasmine is just so neurotic, and she has all these, like, personal problems, but Ginger has largely nothing that she has to give to her her, her sister, but she still uh, finds a way to stand up for her. And Cape uh, Blanchett's character is just, like, I, I didn't like her, and I... Uh, i think that you're supposed to sort of feel that way but at the same time like i felt very sorry for her uh on a on a deep level because she just has so many problems and she has this huge like pathological like lying problem um, but yeah her performance is fantastic uh, everyone's performance is actually really good um, you know even bobby Cavanale, Cavanale, or, Cavanale. or whatever Cavanale. his name is um Cavanale. yeah Cavanale. Uh, but the story is—it takes like this very dramatic twist toward the end there, and I—I I, I certainly liked uh, where it went. But yeah, I, I really would recommend the film.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're going to be all across the board loving this movie. I, this, I—I—I I, I, I like Midnight in Paris a lot. That's one mm-hmm. of my favorite movies of like the past decade. But I mean, Blue Jasmine's just—it's really high up there too in terms of just Woody Allen just delivering really well these recent years. Um, with some of these kind of different stories that break out. Blue Jasmine, just, it's such, it feels like such a, a change in pace for Woody. Like, it's certainly, it's not a laugher, that's for sure. I mean, it's, there's, it's got this, you know, it's moments, especially with Bobby Cardavale, who you know plays mm-hmm. his character the most broad of anybody in this film. But there's, there is a, a, a sadness with Jasmine that I found kind of fascinating how the movie allowed it to play out, where you are supposed to not necessarily like this character, but you have to feel bad for her situation, given things that happen. Especially because a lot of those things are her fault. Um, It's it's interesting to see how the flashbacks work in to provide context for things, and Alec Baldwin's actually a lot of a lot of fun in that kind of as the husband. And you know, the thing given that you know that this is not you know going to be turn out to be a good guy, it's interesting to watch that performance play. And I mean, I can't, I can we can keep going on about how great Kate Blanchett is, but I will just move on because I think Sally Hawkins is very good in this movie as Ginger. I think she's. As much as I want Cape Blanchett to get the recognition she deserves for this movie, I think Sally Hawkins is, she'd be great for a supporting actress Mm -hmm. nomination. I think her work as Ginger is so interesting to watch and so like, I love the kind of the blue collarness of her, of her position in this, in this film and how she handles the different, the different guy characters. I mean, you have Bobby Carnaval, you also have Louis C.K. and Andrew, Andrew Dice Clay. Andrew Dice Clay, by the way, really good at this movie. Doing
2: a good job, yeah. (laughs)
1: He's not playing like Andrew Dice Clay. He's a guy. who's talking like
2: this, and uh, being really. Wait, well, he still kind of has that a little bit. <laughs> I mean, that's because
1: that's his natural accent. But I mean, yeah. he comes away. He walks out of this movie being like the 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 the, the guy you like feel that like almost the the worst for because like he's such a, he's a, he's a good person at heart. It seems and just right. a regular guy. Uh, but it it's it's neat to see like him come in this movie I, like the way that plays out. But I mean, yeah, this movie in general, I really enjoyed it. I really like. How, how different it was from other Alan movies, I, but it still has kind of his, it's still very much a, an Alan written movie. You can feel that in the dialogue, but it takes it to a different level that I, I really enjoyed.
0: And that twist, I mean, and that's jump, really interesting funny. too, just cause, you know, you, you, don't get that from a lot of Woody movies, and for it to kind of flip things on its head, I mean, that really kind of makes you reevaluate the character and kind of what you, you know, just start, already learned. And just to jump
2: more, uh, or I guess keep more praise onto Sally Hawkins, who plays Ginger, I mean, I do agree with you, and one of the, there's one, where she's talking on the phone and all she has to do is just do facial emotions and it's pretty crushing. Um, you re- really feel for her because again, I-, I felt bad for a lot of the characters. For her, I felt sort of even more for because she's trying to do right and he's basically has like this. I don't know if Jasmine's like a negative influence. You can sort of say that she could be, or you can uh, think that she can be. But at the same time, it's not really her. It's just more of you know she just meets a lot of jerks in her life. Um, but I, I did feel bad for him. And Andrew, you guys like, you forget about him and then he shows up in one scene toward the end of the movie and just like, boom. Like, he, he just lays down the reality and it's, uh, it's, it's very dramatic and very sad, uh, and, and I, I felt very awful for, for his character there.
0: I wonder if you guys are actually overstating the Sally Hawkins case a little bit. Cause I love Sally Hawkins, but I didn't think she was quite all bad in this movie. Cause I mean, I had a problem with a lot of times with Woody movies, I feel like the performances are really mannered, and just because there's a certain rhythm to his dialogue and it doesn't fit well in every every single mouth. So when you know you look at some of these characters sometimes in films of his, just kind of come across as very mannered and very, it just feels kind of artificial. And I felt that a bit with with Hawkins, whom I love, and I like for me like Happy Go Lucky is one of the great performances of the last several years. I'd agree with that. Um, but just, I, I don't know. For me, it didn't quite hit me on that level.
1: I mean, we'll have to, throw that out
0: there.
1: We'll have to agree to disagree, because I do I do think Ginger, I think Sally Hawkins hits all the the beats required of her character quite well. Oh, I'm not saying she's it,
0: bad by any stretch. No, yeah, I but I, I mean, I just... I,
1: I, I don't think I'm overstating it, I can say that. I could I could say that I think Bobby Carnevale's character enables her to go into a a broader direction than some of the other characters in this film. But I, I wouldn't say it it takes me out of the experience of her of her in a Woody Allen film, I guess.
2: You know what's also cool about every character in this movie, also all the side characters are very good, like the two boys and also Ginger's boss in the supermarket, really good.
1: <laughs> just these he, random little side characters, yeah. Right?
2: He j- just random. Everybody like he just has like two lines that the boss does. One of them is, "Hey, do you want to sit to my office? And here are some tissues." And <laughs> even that's like really good. <laughs>
1: I'll, I'll say this: There's one character that actually did kind of bug me, and it's Michael Stuhlbarg, because I like Michael Stuhlbarg a lot, and his his dentist character, I mean, it, it, I, I see what the point of that is, but it, for whatever reason, that's the only thing in this movie that kind of rubs you the wrong way, where it's like how that it, how, how that kind a of pays off. a
0: stereotypical up. kind of Alan character from like one of like like from one of the earlier like Alan comedies or something.
1: Take it to a, a an extreme, I would say, given <laughs> the context of Jasmine's character.
0: Yeah. I I really like Bobby Cannavale in this movie, too, though. He's just, there's that bit in the grocery store when he's there crying like some bananas. And it's just like, he's like, I haven't been sleeping. And it's just like, it's the sweetest thing because you kind of think he's this tough guy. Plus, the character's name is Chili. I say again for the record, the character's name is Chili. How awesome is that? (laughs) And it's just like, and he's there crying. And, you know, you realize that even though he had this kind of outburst moment earlier, which kind of, I mean, nowadays, any time a male character is violent on screen with any proximity to a female character, like, people tend to kind of freak out and like, oh, he's a bad guy. But with this guy, it was just like, oh, man, like, he, he, you know, Jasmine's totally selling this guy short. Like, he really is sweet. The I, only
2: person that I kind of had, like, a, an issue with was actually Peter Scarsgard, Not because good. of his act, Skar, sorry, yeah, Skarsgård. Not because of his acting, but primarily because of the character, and I, I kind of didn't like how the character was going to go, but ultimately it doesn't end up the way that i thought it was going to end up and um i thought she was just gonna be jasmine might be like a sucker for these kinds of uh, relationships um where it's it's kind of built on this fake solid or fake step, fake foundation um and i'm glad that it didn't go that way because it just would have been a sad turn of events for the entire movie it's just like you can never fall out of these these uh, awful ways that you're. It doesn't get happier. <laughs> it doesn't get happier, but I mean, it, it would have been it would have been awful if it's like, hey, you know what? Here's like a Prince Charming dude, and he's like a nice guy, but maybe something's gonna happen, and I I really couldn't see that, or I didn't want to see that happen to the character again, primarily because she's been so devastated by it. it, it it's really the movie if doesn't happen... cop out on what it's trying to do. Yes, and, well, one guess. of the
0: coolest things about like the, the character though of, of Jasmine and what you kind of get this big insight into her head is that she constantly will tell people that her sole aspiration is to take a computer class that she can then study interior decorating online and she tells everybody that she's so proud and excited about this and she doesn't hear what she's actually saying and realize how foolish she sounds to everybody else that was fascinating
1: it it is it plays into the psychosis of the character really well it's neat it's neat how that how, it's, uh, god, I just, Kate, boy, I just she is really good in this movie. I would say it's one of her best performances, easily. And um the, there, I've, I've seen arguments made where like, because you already know that this person is crazy, it doesn't get, allow the character to like, really go anywhere, regardless of how good she is in there. But I don't think that, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily fair. I think it, it's, it's, you know this already and it's great to see how, what, it's all, it's like seeing a continued third act of what, what happened to a character in a tragic sense. So you're, you're just watching this kind of down, essentially a downward spiral of one person. And the way that's played out is just, I find that fascinating and I love how that kind of, that weaves and out that, that, lead, that leads into these other characters, that leads into this kind of ensemble story where you have, it kind of branches out to have, Sarah like Sally Hawkins character, which branches out to other characters and, you, and then Peter Saar's got injured and things like that. And you have the flashbacks as well that also, go on to explain how things got to the way they were. I I just really, I I like how what the film does with Blanchett's character based on where it starts already. That's not something that's Yeah, Yeah.
0: Right, like it does not cop out, which is such a blessing. I mean, you get to the, there's points where like, you know, Jasmine's trying to be a better person and she's trying to make an effort and she's trying to be something other than what she is. And obviously we can't get into the ending, but I mean, the way that it resolves feels really true to what and who we know Jasmine to be.
2: Right. And it sucks to do what I was going to say, too. I hate the word to, to repeat it again, but it's like, yeah, it's not a cop out. It's not like, you know, she moves to San Francisco with her sister. She realizes, like, you know what? It takes a lot of hard work to be a, a, a working class individual and I'm going to do it. And, you know, my life's going to be better for it. it. It basically shows you, you know, people have huge issues and you don't escape these issues <laughs> living in San Francisco for like a week. Um. It reminds me a lot of, like, My Sister's Sister, or Your Sister's Sister, where they have this resolution that is sort of real. Like, they have, like, this family dra- drama, and they basically resolve it over the course of, like, a few weeks. Um, and, I don't know, it, I like when movies do that, where they don't uh, show you this happy-go-lucky Kate Blanchett at the end, um, and she's just fine, because that's the way the movie should be.
0: It definitely earns the ending, which is, which is cool. And, I mean, not only that, too, but, I mean, a lot of times, like, with Woody... He's not the happiest person, despite how, you know, funny his movies are. Like, when you see some of his dramatic films that really kind of play into his worldview, it's bleak. You know, like you watch, for example, like Crimes and Misdemeanors, you know, or Crimes and Misdemeanors Part 2, also known as Matchpoint. Yep, but I mean, yep. you see some of that stuff, and it's just, it's bleak and it's dark, and there are times when, with some of his films, like, the, the sad ending just kind of feels slapped on. To a degree, like, sometimes the film feels like it deserved a happier ending or just was coming, and everything sucked and everybody died the end. But with here, you know, again, not to be a dead horse, but it really feels organic to the narrative and it really, you know, that's what Jasmine would do.
1: Yeah. Blue Jasmine, or Crimes of Misdemeanors is my favorite Woody Allen movie. Um, Blue Jet, ja- yeah, I agree with you completely. And you have this, again, you you're not necessarily, like, rooting for this character to succeed, although you don't want, you, you, you don't wish, like, bad things to happen to people either. True. They're, you know, like, a villain or something or, you know, someone that's designed to make you feel that way. But you feel really terrible for situations she gets her in. She gets, like, certain, and Jasmine, she gets certain monologues in this movie where, like, there's a scene in the diner where she's talking to, like, the two to, to um, Ginger's kids, and she explains what her life is right now. And yes, okay. it, you can, you can see that, because of the situation and how she's explaining things, there's there's some inherent comedy there. But when you're really listening to the words she's saying, yeah, it's really it's dark stuff and it's really sad and it it really lays out who this character is and you get it and it it it's really just like that's easily like the scene I see at the Oscars like that's yeah, so the that's the clip you play right there.
2: Blue Moon was the song that was playing. You know the song Blue Moon. Yeah, but I. I always wanted to do something with my life. You know, I had energy. I didn't just shop and lunch and go to matinees. You know, I ran charities for poor people. I ran, you know, raised money for museums and schools. You know, with wealth comes responsibilities. I wasn't just some mindless consumer like so many of my so-called friends. <laughs> Though I won't say I dislike buying pretty clothes. Tip big boys tip big because you get good service and they count on tips you know someday when you come into great wealth you must remember to be generous
0: mom said you used to be okay but you got crazy yeah and then you talk to yourself
1: it just breaks it all down for you in a way that's it's written really well it's performed really well and it, it doesn't like it's designed to obviously like show you what this character is but it's not like beating you over the head like it's just like Thinking, like okay, we get it, Jazz. It's just more of hey, this is this is real. Like <laughs> this is what's going on. Yeah,
0: all those moments too, where like you realize how smart she is. Yes, because like there's a lot of points in the movie where you're like this chick is like, oh my gosh, like she's dumb. Like how can she not see this? Or you know, why is she doing this? You know, no real person would do that. And then you listen to her the way she's kind of thought this whole thing out. Like this is no dumb person talking.
2: Mm-hmm. And what's great about that too is um, you know, there's like that that dramatic beat. But it doesn't end there, and she actually confronts like uh, a character from the past, like which is her stepson, and that part really blew me away, because, like what you had said, Adam, she's not dumb, but she does have these, I guess, tendencies to do very rash things. Um, And then she tries to, uh, maybe, perhaps, she tries to qualify it in her own mind as, you know what, I was just having an anxiety attack, and that's just the way that I am. But in reality, I think that she's Pretty much thoroughly think, thinking through everything. I mean, she's conscious of what she's doing. She just chooses to do the wrong things. Especially when she meets Peter Sar- Sarsgaard and she tells him this, uh, this story about her, her past life. And I was, I was kind of completely thrown off. I was like, yeah, she would do that, but at the same time, like, dude, you have a serious problem. Like, there's, there's some weird psychotic pathos to you that I would never want to meet you.
0: Yeah, and Mona too, but he's almost, that, that character is almost like a security blanket. Like, she is with him, and she she understands that life, and she feels like she can get back to where she's going. And plus, like he's actually like a really sweet guy, you know, which, which I didn't she... think. <laughs> you didn't think he was sweet. Well, Ava well, seems no, the no, worst I mean, in everybody. So. Yeah, I, I assumed the worst
2: because the music started playing again, uh, uh-huh. and I was like, "Oh, damn it, don't do it." Uh, one thing is, I do say, or I will say, is like the uh, the costume design is fantastic in this movie. You do really get a sense of the two. The two, I guess, worlds that, that Ginger and Jasmine come from, um, because Jasmine dresses like every person would in a J Crew catalog, and then Jet ja- or uh, Ginger dresses like everybody that you would expect to be a normal person. And the
1: um, the flashbacks are certainly designed that way too, where you get kind of even the light, like even the way it's filmed is a yeah, it, it's very it, it has a there's a there's a there's a warmer palette going on in the New York sequences versus kind of it's, you know you're in. San Francisco, and the, the rest of the film where it, it, it's it's not always sunny out there.
2: And without sunny well, Philadelphia.
0: Philadelphia uh,
1: uh. With, with that said, San Francisco looks really good in this movie. Like I love the way Woody Allen, as he's you know traveled around the world to make his various movies over the past several years. Like he he has a way of making of he's a good filmmaker. Like we don't get not enough credits given to you know he knows how to shoot good. He shoot movies good. <laughs> I'll say it that way, like <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Newer. <laughs> he has well she has well shot movies the cinematography is quite good and it you can see him you know having d- different locations placed in the background where it doesn't emphasize them like he, like midnight in Paris was a great example of that because you have yeah. a trip to Versailles where it doesn't sure. focus on Versailles although it's there and it looks great but it's not like hey, check out this great thing that we got the permit to shoot at. like it's not about that at all it's about the characters. And this movie, and, you know, much like, I Christina Barcelona is another good example of that, and, you know, the various London oh, man, that,
0: That's a fantastically shot film.
1: It is, and it, but these movies, like, they all, they underplay those values to them.
0: Yeah, you know, that's actually great. a
2: very good point to bring up, because they do have the part where, you know, she meets, uh, Chili and Chili's friend, and they, they kind of walk around, but you don't really see stuff like, oh, here's the iconic, like, Fisherman's Wharf, or here's yeah. the Golden Gate Bridge, like, World's we'll Walker. Oh, look! There's, like, I don't know, uh, the Financial District, the, the Trans-American Pyramid Tower building, so. I, I I do appreciate that actually. Um, cuz it doesn't beat you over the head with it. It's like, yeah, here's a uh, here's like the city that they're in and I'll just show you like a few scenes, but realistically, it's not about the city, it's about these characters.
0: It's kind of cool too, I mean, just the way that he's not, you know, with the way that his financial financial situation is with the funding he gets and he's had to really go around the world and use different locations when he was used to just shooting in Manhattan. It's kind of cool to see him sort of go around the world, and and he's finally back in the U.S. But he's you know not in New York; he's in San Francisco, and a little bit in New York. But I mean, it's it's cool to see him kind of branch out, and you know, take this kind of familiar aesthetic and put it in 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 different locations.
2: Yeah, speaking of the financial setting, I think that's one of the things that I about the film that maybe I didn't like as much, and I know that it it basically is. The, a Bernie Madoff story, um, so to speak. Uh, but I, I don't know, it, it felt as though, I don't know what the word would be, I just didn't like that aspect of it, of, uh, that's the, the compelling reason why all of this is happening, and... It's certainly, uh, it's certainly where the
1: plot's, like, stemming from in terms of what happened to have this character do this kind of thing, but I mean, that's... You're not, I, I'm not trying to, like, accuse you of anything, you're not someone that's seen a lot of Woody Allen, because you've said this yourself. Woody Allen doesn't tend to use, like, pop culture, <laughs> like, in a, no. or like, current events in a way that features prominently in a movie. Which is weird. So This is really, yeah, this is a real change in pace for him, but, like, he actually has something that's relevant to current, like, <laughs> current social status of people, That and, like, that's, that's something that informs a character. That doesn't happen. And it's
0: not like, you know, it's not like the average person, you know, that lost everything during the recession, you know, had the fallback position of going to live with Sally Hawkins in San Francisco. But I mean, the whole idea of you know a character falling on hard times, having I mean, to losing everything and finding a new frame of reference. I mean, that's something a lot of people can relate to now. I mean, you know, you, Aaron's got a good point in that. You know, it's it's unlike Woody to try to tell any kind of contemporary story.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know that uh, with anything else. with. I mean, he's, he may have done it accidentally before, but you know he, that's not you know not typical for this guy. I
1: know what you're saying though he does have you know Alec Baldwin's playing a character that very much resembles another character. <laughs> right.
0: It's, uh, yeah, that's certainly... That's speaking is, of, Alex Baldwin looks good in this movie, man. Like does, he does Last actually. year, like, Jerome yeah. has so much more weight on him, he looks... <laughs>
2: it's all that 30 Rock food that he's uh, been working off.
0: That's something I noticed in the last season
2: of 30 Rock, actually. Too, he he looks slimmer?
1: Looked, he looked noticeably slimmer than he had in previous seasons of 30 Rock. And
2: his hair is uh, noticeably more... less gray? Oh, that's just, you know, some Pantene Proveen. That. That's <laughs> not
1: any uh, more words we could say about Blue Jasmine before we get to our rating?
2: Go um, see it. Go move up to the bay. Go see it. On,
0: move up to the bay. We, we didn't mention Louis C.K.
1: actually at all. We,
0: we didn't did mention K. Louis C.K. Yeah. He is—he's one of the best things in this movie. I really, when his character first pops up, I was sitting in my seat saying "aw" over and over again because I, I thought it was just the sweetest thing. And he's—he's really? he's playing against. My sister who I saw the film with had a very different reaction cuz she's smarter than I am apparently. Yeah. But but I I thought he was thoroughly charming and it's cool to see him sort of play against type. So I or Doug dug him in the movie.
1: Yeah, he's not playing hapless. He's he's playing uh <laughs> he, he's playing kind of a uh, pseudo mensch character, I guess. I
2: uh, I didn't like his like cuz I got the slime ball feeling from him right when they showed him and I was like I do not like where this is going at all. Um so like I thought that he did a pretty good job, and he's uh, a <laughs> we. If you guys ever hear a a two hundredth anniversary episode where we play a bunch of trailers that we talk about, maybe you'll hear us making fun of Louis C.K. But yeah, I, I just his character was such a sleaze bag, and I was like, man, like uh, it, it is against type, but at the same time, I just I didn't like his character.
0: Did you like his work though as an actor?
2: Yes, I did, because um, he's he does deliver some funny lines. But for the most part, it's, uh, some lines that, I, I, it's very subtle. And I think that's what I liked about the, the, his portrayal. I mean, I'm with Adam. I didn't think ahead on what Louis,
1: on how good, too good to be true his character may or may not have been in this film. But, I mean, I, I like Louie in general. I think he's doing, I mean, he's, he's, he's essentially making thirty, like, short films based, based on Woody Allen concepts on his FX series, Louie. Louie? I, I Louis, be, be next to next to Breaking Bad, Louie's like my other favorite show on television right now. So I mean it's it, it.
2: Oh, lastly, question yeah. for you both. Did you guys feel as though Ginger's character could have been played by Marissa Tomei?
0: Oh my god, that would be so cool. Huh. Hmm. Okay. Could have, maybe. Um I, I think definitely could have.
2: Because I was getting those vibes from uh, from Ginger, I was like, "Huh, oh, you know, I wonder if Marissa Tomato was like originally cast and maybe she had to drop out or something."
0: I have a big spot for Murcia Tomato.
1: I do too, but that just sounds like profiling, Abe.
0: <laughs> that does, yeah. yeah. Cool side note: I read a cool interview with with Woody where he was saying that he is hoping to to write something. It was I'm not sure if he had already written something for Louis C.K. or is hoping to write something for like the two of them to star in. Oh, very I cool! I can't. Yeah, I mean,
1: <laughs> nothing would please me more, Adam. That, <laughs> that would can't wait. Cool. Just, that's just amazing. getting, just getting him to have a five-minute bit on Louie would make me happy. So a whole movie about <laughs> Louie and Louie—that's what you can call Woody and Louie. <laughs> oh
0: my gosh! It's like
1: it's like the American version of The Trip with
0: Steve. Woody Cooper. and Louie, but they can call him <laughs> Down by the Schoolyard. <laughs> what what accent would they do? Eric? <laughs> Woody and Woody down by the schoolyard. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh we, we keep tying back to Royal albums on this one I like this episode
0: a lot <laughs> I was going with Paul Simon what are you talking about
1: well that song's in Royal yeah, that song's oh.
2: in, uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> in the uh, what was your question oh, I said uh, what, what accent would they what character would they would they imitate if they had a, a movie where it's Woody Allen and uh, Louis C.K. and it's yeah. like the the trip leave or,
1: that to, leave that to the professionals Abe. that's what just, I'd say yeah Let's, uh, let's get to a little rating. They could
0: be Hitmen. That would be so cool if they were Hitmen. they Hitmen.
1: I mean, I can't, like, st- your
0: hitman. You're, you're, you're doing it all wrong. We can't we can't leave the body here. <laughs> He's still
2: shaking.
1: <laughs> you good with that? <laughs> <laughs> um, let's get to our rating for the film. Each week I'm out now, now, apparently, we try to rate movies based on when you should go and see them we have a scale that goes from IMAX to theater, Dollar Theater, Netflix, HBO TV, or just kinda of forget about it. On that scale, which rating would you apply to Blue Jasmine 2D, Adam?
0: Uh total high theater.
2: Abe? Hey. I was in theater as well.
1: Agreed. Uh, see it. Now
0: Emotion carries.
1: Wide screen, by the way. Why not there's only there's only three movies that Woody Allen has done in this this, this aspect ratio. One of them's anything else. And the other is man, I believe. Yes, man. Just interesting. notes like, oh, I drew out the, the other camera for this one. <laughs> so, movie we'll we'll callback. Callback,
2: callback, callback.
1: This is where we talk about a couple films that might relate in some way to the main feature. Abe, any uh, callbacks?
2: Yeah, for some strange reason, I uh, thought of, like, whatever happened to Baby Jane. <laughs> Probably just because like the crazy the craziness of of one of the characters and always thinking that she's like yeah I'm still in the limelight kind of thing. Um, Men of Black Three for the dentist, Uh, (laughs) and then uh, Young Adult because also that character has some weird psychosis where she thinks that she's in the right but she's actually in the wrong.
0: Adam, Uh, Um, seeing Michael Stuhlberg, you know, obviously thought of a series fan. mm -hmm. Hard not to. Um, I am not really familiar with Streetcar Named Desire, but a lot of stuff that I was reading, you know, I, apparently the, the narrative was pretty heavily influenced by Streetcar and that story. So, um, I, that came to mind kind of retro, retroactively. Uh, But the stuff that mostly came to mind for me was just other Woody Allen films, just because anytime you see a new film of his, you're just sort of doing this act where you're stacking it up against other films and trying to kind of see how it fits or how it, Plays into you know his usual back of tricks, how it does things differently, um, and uh, yeah, so I'm mostly thinking of a lot of other you know, Woody Allen movies, uh, particularly contemporary ones, just to kind of see where it stacked up. And uh, want to give one more shout out to Vicky Cristina Barcelona. So a lot of people are saying you know this is his best film in years, and or it's better than Midnight in Paris and whatnot. But for me, kind of the high water mark recently was was Vicky Cristina. So mm. big shout out.
1: Um, Streetcar to desire. I am more familiar with that story, and yeah, that was—it just seemed very obvious to me. The streetcar was like, "Yep, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's certainly doing a play on that." Um, Silver Linings Playbook came to mind. A young adult, like Abe said, came to mind actually. Uh Francis Ha, recent film, Creta uh sure. Less of a, you know, middle-aged woman going through a breakdown, and more of a younger woman trying to figure out her life. But seems similar to me. Um, and fun with Dick and Jane because Alec Baldwin plays pretty much the exact same character. Just <laughs>
2: <laughs> the Jim Carrey movie. Yeah,
1: well, Alec Baldwin playing a Bernie Madoff-like character. That one.
2: <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs>
1: All right, let's do a little. Uh, let's do a little sponsor talk. Um, today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at out so now podcast. There are over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And for you listeners about now out there, and Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I have a book here. It's written by Woody Allen and narrated by him. It's actually a collection of short stories called Side Effects. It's a treat for Allen fans and those who are just discovering how gifted he is in classics including Remembering Needleman, The Kugelman episodes, Confessions of a Burglar, and others. Allen discusses such subjects such as the nature of relativity, the UFO menace, and the predicament of modern man Side effects compiles 17 of Alan's best New Yorker essays and offers wisdom and laughs in equal measure. That is a thing you can download at audibletrial.com slash podcast. Yeah, a thing. A piece of media. You can get that. <laughs> you can download it. You can listen to it. You can keep it. You can sign up for your account at audibletrial.com slash podcast. Get rid of that account. Keep the book anyway. And we still get credit for it. Abe. I mean, what? Not Who that you loses? should do any of those
0: things though. Who loses? Great. Who loses?
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, audibletrial. dot slash podcast. Here you go. Maybe you know what time it is? Oh, oh, is it feedback time? Feedback, <laughs> feedback, feedback. It is that time. Um, each week, we get lots and lots of feedback because we like to ask lots and lots of questions on our Facebook page. And uh, yeah, we did that, and we're now going to read <laughs> your answers to these questions that we asked. First one was a t- was a, it was a layup for anybody that want to answer it. Favorite Woody Allen movie. We got a lot of answers here. Jason put Midnight in Paris. Adam, what'd you put? You put hairs, you?
0: Uh, Hannah and her sisters.
1: You did? Michael Schwartz, you put I love this question, love and death. Nick put ants. John Moore put Hannah and her sisters as well. Mr. Jim D friend of the show. He has Casino Royale or Sleeper or Everything You Always Want to Know About Sex and We're Afraid to Ask. Rebecca has Annie Hall. If only for the scenes when he is in LA. And Brandon Peters, friend of the show, he has hate to sound cliche, but any hall, and I consider myself to be a fan and have seen a good portion of his films, I go back to it at least one to two times a year, one of my all time favorite films in general too.
2: Hmm. We then ask uh which Woody Allen would you uh could use more car chases? Uh Jason Ritter writes Midnight in Paris. Very true, I'd like to see those uh old school nineteen twenties cars just racing around.
0: And Mike Jones writes all of them. So. I guess,
1: guess Greg Gatsby gave us the uh, the answer to that question.
0: would <laughs> you think that a Zelig could use a really good car chase?
1: I there's not a day I don't wake up saying that out loud, actually.
0: So. He would actually turn into the car. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yes. <laughs> uh Woody Alex Transformers coming to a theater do <laughs> you? That's the answer to that other question. Um favorite stand up comedians that have become actors. Uh let's see. Willie Joe put Dave Chappelle, he will never sell his soul, he's the hero Gotham needs. A bit confusing, but I like it. <laughs> Scott has Eddie Murphy. Jim Deeds has Patton Oswalt. Good answer. Uh, Scott Mendelson has Robin Williams, who could justly be recognized as one of the best dramatic actors of his generation if he wasn't already considered one of the funniest men of the last 50 years. Callum has Billy Connolly. Jason has Tim Allen. Ryan has Bob Odenkirk. Bargie has Louis C.K. And Jeanette has Steve Martin. Question Steve mark? Martin? Yeah. <laughs> That's a valid answer. Yeah. She didn't have to question it.
2: And then we ask, uh, what are your favorite movies set in San Francisco? Uh, Scott writes, Bullet, Maltese Falcon, uh, Humphrey Bogart's version, and 48 Hours. And then he immediately writes, and the typical Alcatraz ones. Good answer. Uh, Kyle writes, The Game and Zodiac. Uh, Callum has The Rock. Manish writes, Vertigo, The Sweetest Thing.
1: I think he means Vertigo and the and Sweetest, sweetest thing, which I guess yeah. is that Cameron Diaz movie. And I'm sure That's you just, so. yeah, you just watch Vertigo. You're like, that was a fun movie about blondes. What else could I watch? Oh, Cameron Diaz is here. Say <laughs> Louis <laughs> thing.
2: He needed a bit, perhaps a comma. He, his finger slipped. <laughs> Classic um, <Matt>. Manish. <laughs> Coffee at Godric's Hollow. <laughs> Matt writes, so I married an axe murderer when Mike Myers was tolerable.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Rebecca writes, toss up between the Princess Diaries and The Room. And Jeanette writes, San Francisco with Clark Gable and the Maltese Falcon.
1: <laughs> Toss-up between The Princess Diaries and The Room is maybe my favorite answer of, like, the past three nice. weeks, if anything. <laughs> um, Actress is currently as good as Kate Blanchett. Adam put Jessica Chastain, Anne Hathaway, and Charlie Theron. Fair. <laughs>
0: Not this Adam, no. I didn't do that. Not
1: this Adam, no. Not this, yeah. Adam, will you have an answer to that question?
0: Oh, totally. Uh, I can do you one better. Ms. Meryl Streep. Okay. I don't think, as, as far as female actors go, I don't think you touch Meryl Streep. Well, yeah, because she's boiling hot, right? Oh, you're Scalding. Oh, you know. But, I mean, as far as other people that are good, I mean, I would also throw out uh, Juliette Binoche. Mm-hmm. I, and Isabel Huppert, easily.
1: Ooh, Huppert. All right. Let's see. So here's our last question. Summer movies are done. What fall movies are people looking forward to? Uh, Gary has August: Assage County. Funny enough, C. streep in a character role. Finally, um, Joe has Ender's Game. Jason has Machete Kills.
0: Yes. <laughs> Adams'
1: number two most anticipated movie of the fall. Probably. Um, <laughs> Nick has Gravity, and Brandon Peters has Bad Grandpa. Just kidding. He has. Uh, he wrote that. I have the uninspiring boring, boring critic film guy answer of Gravity, cause it looks amazing. Mm. From everything I'm hearing about it from Tiff this weekend, it seems to be probably amazing. <laughs> so,
2: yes, so. I've heard the same thing, so I can't wait. But I think the buzz was actually out of Venice.
1: It was out of Venice two weeks ago. This weekend is out of uh, Tiff. Uh For,
0: or, snap. Or, Get your facts or, straight, Adam.
1: Or tell you ride.
0: Oh, my friend, I've got people going to, uh, going to Tiff, and I, I just guess, I, I assumed that Tiff started, uh, so I
1: think I think Tiff. No, it's Telluride. I believe
2: actually this
0: There you see, snappity Dizzle back in your face. <laughs>
2: Thank you for that. Uh, this
1: concludes. That's, this concludes our other segment on white guys say wacky things. Oh, no, no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> With your host Bob Saget.
1: <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> Let's do a little. Uh... A little bo- there was box office still here we go each week get out now fair day we go over the box office totals for the week and find out our pretty good we have predictions we'll see if they're right we, I think
2: we all predicted
1: we all predicted that 1d 3d would be number one at the box office right I think that's, yes yeah
2: no no money value no value associated with no it value but no. associated
1: with that and we're right um it did it's topped the box office as we can took down the the butler took it off the throne boom 1d. 3D. Morgan Spurlock's highest grossing documentary of all time. That's a weird thing to say, but it's true.
2: Where did uh, One Direction or I'm sorry, The Butler end up?
1: The Butler's in number two. Okay. Um, One Direction made $17 million this weekend, and this is we are recording this on Sunday, not counting the holiday, Day, so it'll be like $20 million. Uh, Lee Daniels, The Butler sorry, Lee Daniels, Lee Daniels, The Butler <laughs> made $14 million. We are the Millers holding strong at number three. Wow! I know. That's
2: like, that's like, uh, has that been four weeks in the top five, the you top been, three? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It
1: has been. We are the Millers. Wow. Um, a movie called Destructions Not Included, which I believe is a uh, kind of a movie made for the Latino audience. Um, it came out and droves this week because it's in number five. Um, yeah. There you go. I have no idea what that movie is, but I, I hope it's good. People want to see it. Uh, Getaway, the thrilling Ethan Hawke Selena Gomez action adventure movie that everyone was dying to see. Came in at number nine, uh, with four point five million.
0: I think, think that's a little for used for, for the theme song for that movie. They should use the song from Arrested Development. Getaway, getaway! <laughs> yes! yes! Getaway Getaway. Uh
1: and closed circuit. Uh nobody apparently wanted to see the movie because it's in fifteenth place in its opening week.
2: I was kind of thinking that's okay. where getaway was gonna be.
1: Let's see, it's behind Despicable B Two and Two Guns. Just to give you some frame of reference there. You can't, the gra-
2: you can't win them all, I guess.
1: The Grandmaster's right behind it. Not bad for the Grandmaster. Um, let's see. Anything else interesting happen? No, not really. Uh, the World's End didn't drop very hard, so that's nice. I like seeing I
2: like, I like that. would have been nice to see if it was bumped up.
1: Nice. Well, the mortal instrument city of bones clearly needed to make more money, so there you go. <laughs> I
2: forgot about that movie. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So there you
1: go. It's the box office. Let's... Um,
2: Oh, Aaron, is it a? That was hit,
1: you, where did, where have we you.
2: reached that time for uh for our special segment of games? Those red hot this week, not blue. Red. It hot. actually
1: was blue because I was hitting the blue te- the blue tones
2: right there yeah.
0: on my, yeah. my,
1: my xylophone that I own. For Aaron
0: in the blue tones. <laughs> band. <Yeah. laughs>
1: blue tones. Good name for a band. Write it down.
0: Yeah, I was just gonna say that too. <laughs> uh,
2: World's End reference, people, go see it. Uh, <laughs> all right, so I've got this game for you both here. It's called Color Wheel of Fun. This Ooh. is a game in which every movie here has a color in the title uh, of the film, and you can uh, name the the title. And again, new rules: you have to say your name and then you can answer. But of course, you can answer before me finishing the statement.
1: Yeah, but we, okay. So Adam, I don't think you've played a game with this rule. You have to name, you have to say your name first, and then the answer.
2: So, yes. okay, so, I would go, I would go like Adam. Adam. Yeah. Yeah. Adam! When in Rome. So, that's,
0: so Adam is my buzzer. Exactly. Yes. Yeah.
2: You got instead this. Of, instead of saying buzz. All right, here we go. Ten questions. Here we go. Number one. This themed restaurant employee named Jamal Walker awakens and finds himself in medieval 14th century, where he chooses to be named Luke Skywalker and must blend in and attempt to restore balance to the throne. Aaron. Yes.
1: <laughs> I can't believe you're, like, the first person to make reference to this movie in over ten years. Is it Black Knight?
2: That is correct!
1: <laughs> Starring, Starring Martin Lawrence. Martin Lawrence? <laughs>
2: wow. uh, yeah, where is that guy now? That's not all a right. color. Uh, number two. It's all colors. It's not, that's white. <laughs> number two. That means you're going to be disappointed in a couple other ones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> number two. This rich Aaron misses the way his coffee is made by his father's assistant and realizes the man who made this coffee is also a skilled martial artist who teaches him to be a crime fighter.
0: Aaron. Uh, Adam the Green Hornet?
2: Hmm, I don't know who to give that one to. I think I would go with Adam because he said it. said it. Yeah, but Aaron, you did buzz in first. But Adam, go ahead, yes. So you win that one. That is correct. Sorry, I you. totally
0: didn't hear you, man, sorry. No, no,
2: no, no, no That's worries. Right. No,
0: we, we buzzed at
2: the same time. You just got, you Yeah, got, you're quicker. but you got it, you got it.
0: All right. Number
2: three, a teenager dreams of going to Stanford University, goes on a wild trip up north from his Southern California iconic locale. Aaron, at- Aaron. County. that is correct. Thanks. Starring Colin Hanks. All right, here. Number four, a princess runs out of her kingdom by, or a princess is run out of her kingdom by a wicked queen and meets a group of miners who help her regain the throne. Adam. After-
0: Adam. Mirror, mirror. That is incorrect. Oh, okay, Adam, can I buzz Adam. again? <laughs> can I
2: Austin. buzz again? Sure, I'll, I'll allow it this one time. Are
0: we going with Snow White and the Seven Dwarves? That is correct. Mirror mirror, does does say said mirror, mirror, I Mirror, Mirror. Uh, I was what, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the sequel based on the
2: prequel.
1: So it is Snow White and the Seven Dwarves?
2: Snow White and the Seven Dwarves is correct. Yeah.
1: He, as <laughs> in the animated
2: film? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's got to have the color in it, come on. All right, number five. Army Rangers and Army Special Forces soldiers fight for survival in this East African country when a warlord troops, uh, takes down one of their helicopters. Aaron. Uh, Adam. Black Hawk Down. That is correct, Aaron. Alright, you guys are basically tied. Uh, number six. These Wolverines must band together to stop the Russians from invading their Aaron, home. Aaron, Rich Dawn. That is correct. Wolverines. Wolverines. Number seven. A working class teen meets an upper crust rich kid in high school and goes to prom with him despite having the mix tapes of her best friend uh, that he's been giving to her to tell her that she's really in love with her. A working class teen meets an upper crust rich kid in high school and goes to prom with him despite having the mix tapes of her best friend that he's been giving to her to kind of tell her that he's in love with her.
1: Aaron, Pity, pretty pretty in pink.
2: That is correct. Alright, number eight. Come on, Adam. Come on. I know, I know. I know, I know, I
1: know, I know, mirror, I know, mirror, I know. Snow no White. He's just
2: to answer everyone. Know, <laughs> number eight. A prison guard with medical issues befriends a hulk of an inmate who has... Adam.
0: Adam. The Green
2: Mile. That is correct. Yep. Number nine. This movie has talking polar bears that wear armor and fight. Adam. Uh, Adam.
0: The Golden Compass. <laughs> That's correct.
2: Man. <laughs> Alright, I think, uh, here, let me, let me do just some quick calculation here. One. That was it? That was the last one? No, 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 there, there's actually one more, but I think you guys are tied. Okay. Two, uh, three, four. One, two, three, four. That's actually, nice. uh, Aaron, you have one more than Adam. Alright, okay, so number ten.
1: Oh, well, there's a tiebreaker.
2: If there is a tiebreaker, I have a great thing in store. Okay. Number ten. Don't ever give a doubt, or, uh, don't ever- <laughs> 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 Number ten. Don't ever give a thoughtful and confidence-inducing speech about survival while standing near open water, or you might end up like Samuel Jackson's character in this movie. Aaron. Aaron. Deep blue sea. Deep blue sea is correct. Uh The tiebreaker would have been you have to use a Bane line in the voice of Woody Allen, but Aaron, you have won.
1: Oh, I could do the vice versa, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> the fun
0: thing is, we could have actually understood Bane in that case. If he has, like, the Witty Allen. Totally. Perhaps,
1: perhaps he was wondering, why, why would you shoot him, man <laughs> He was out of a plane.
0: Adam, your turn. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh I'm blanking on Bane Lines. I have a coworker who, like, does nothing but talk in Bane Lines, but I'm blanking. It, it yeah. Extremely painful.
2: <clears throat> Feeling in charge?
0: Give me a second, give me a second. I'll, I'll, let me get one. I'm. I'm right. IMDb will help me. Yeah, you know, you speak of the devil, and you, he shall appear. <laughs> well done, well
1: let's, done. Let's not let's not stand on ceremony.
0: It's, you know, theatricality and deception you know, are powerful agents to the uninitiated, but, but we're initiated, aren't we, Bruce? <laughs> Members of the League of, 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 of I'm paraphrasing, of uh, shadows. <laughs> well done, you two. Well done. <laughs> You guys both win in that case.
2: We should have just done that the entire time. Uh, Alright, moving that on. Fire. That was good. That was actually really awesome.
0: The fire rises. Uh, you'll just have to imagine the fire. We're done. I was like, I can't believe nobody tried. Your punishment must be more severe. Cause he would, you can imagine what he would, he would pronounce the T hardcore. He'd be like, your punishment. (laughs) That's a little Uh out
1: now, presents what's out now. These are movies that are coming out to Blu-ray and DVD this week, and we have a few here. So just a little yay or nay. First up is Now You See Me!
2: I heard that's a yay.
1: It's fun. I'd say it's worth a rental. (laughs) Uh, then we have Rob Zombie's Lords of Salem.
2: I heard that was a nay.
1: Then we have from Studio Studio Ghibli from Up on Poppy Hill.
2: I heard that was a huh. I don't know. I haven't seen it
0: yet. It's <laughs> so like I heard that was huh, heard that was a, huh, you know, huh. New score system for Abe. So would you give it an IMAX? I'd give it a hmm,
1: yeah. hmm. Next Scout. up we have um the Iceman. I heard that was a eh. It was a disappointing meh. And lastly, we have Sharknado.
2: Which I heard was so great that they're making Sharknado the second one.
1: That's the that's title.
2: title. Yeah. Hey. Sharknado <laughs> right. three double D? <laughs> I'd probably enjoy that one more.
1: I. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Um, what's coming out next week? We have Riddick coming out next week. That's what we're gonna talk about next week's show. We actually did just release a pod, like, audio commentary for Pitch Black with myself, Brandon Peters, and Jim Beats, and that's a. That's a fun time to spend if you want to listen to us talk about a movie for a couple, couple hours. We always like doing those commentaries and we like, we know our listeners like them, so that's, we're happy to do it. Uh, but yeah, Riddick, the latest incarnation of the Riddick character starring Vin Diesel. That's next week's film, but for now we can do some box office predicting. I will say Riddick is the only movie that opens next week in wide release. Um, I can say that the other features of, you know, the, the other, the other chronicles, uh, chronicles of Riddick open to 24 million. Back in 2004, hmm. Pitch Black opened to 11 million. Back in 2000, things have changed significantly since then. I'd say in terms of Vin Diesel star status and, the, and
2: it's rated R too, yeah. It's
1: rated. It's rated. It's back to being rated R. Pitch Black was rated R. Chronicles Riddick PG 13.
2: PG 13, but it didn't follow like the same. Uh, the same it wasn't, it wasn't it was, like well, not the same movie. Well,
1: Chronicles anyway. of was a bomb. It was just a bad movie. <laughs> that's, that's
2: the problem with. This. Thanks a lot, Judy Dench or Dame Judy Dench. It was her problem. That
1: was she was the reason. She really
2: brought, she really brought it down for the, the levels of
1: prestige. It was at before then.
2: <laughs> I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say first place. Okay. Uh, with uh, uh repeat of the past, I'm gonna say 24 million.
1: Okay. Adam,
0: any uh, thoughts? First place, uh, 17.1. Ooh, 17.1 with the precision. Oh man. The precision. Oh yes.
1: That was, that's such a stunning guess that I'm gonna stick right in the middle of guess 20 million and go with that.
2: Right in the middle there.
0: Well,
1: taking TCB right there, taking care of business.
0: (laughs) Straight out of Compton. A crazy mover reviewer named Aaron.
1: (laughs) More woo or tribe than I am NWA, but there you go. <laughs> uh, let's, let's, uh, let's get, let's wrap it up here, guys, because Abe is bugging me. Uh, well, that's gonna do it this week right now, there, <laughs> You can find more of my work at my personal blog at thecodeazeek.com. You can find all my Burton movie reviews, as well as at ysablue.com for my bluer reviews, as well as, a, I did, I, I got to attend a screening of Cowboy Bebop last week, there was a very special Q&A that had a very long interview that I posted up there, so you can check that out, um, and other things at ysablue.com. You can also find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Aaron's PS3. Abe?
2: You can find more fun stuff at Blogspot.com and twittercom slash walrusmoosh. hashtag
0: il twin anarchist and Adam. <laughs> you can find more of my work at my blog things I know about the movies located at everything you always wanted to know.blogspot.com. Ironically enough, a little bit of an homage to an older Woody Allen movie, um, and also at twitter.com/slash/il twin anarchist hashtag walrusmooch.
2: <laughs>
0: whoa, whoa. That's that's a first.
1: You can find all the other episodes of Out Now and on iTunes as well as at Stitcher, also at hhwld You can find our show there along with the other shows that fine network, including the Walking Dead TV podcast, which I am a special guest on this week, and along with the Doom Half Hour, wasted a lot of good shows with cool guys talking about comics and games and movies and other stuff and stuff like that.
2: Check us out over at OutNow where you can find out the latest reviews as well as Q and A that Aaron has, including a, a recent one with uh, editor Wright. Uh Simon Pegg hey. and Nick Frost. Uh also check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash podcast. We really need interns, so submit your resumes.
1: <laughs> Outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to email us your thoughts on Woody Allen's latest adventure or his other films. And you know, we also have those contests going, on, so feel free to submit those favorite ghost Story and why.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for slash out podcast, where you can interact with us. You know, answer our questions, we'll answer yours, and we'll also read them out on the show.
1: Twitter.com slash underscore podcast. Same dealio there. Just use a lot less characters, 140, in fact.
2: <laughs> and our latest endeavor, outnowpodcast.tumblr.com. Check out our, our latest posts as well, as anything interesting that we find on the Internet.
1: Yep, that's uh all of that awesome stuff. Good podcast, I thought, all around. We, we talked about Woody Allen quite a bit. iTunes are be great. Vain impersonations. great
0: vain impersonations.
1: Great-beigned I'm sure. impersonations. Adam, thank you for joining us today for Outnow Fairness.
0: Thanks for having me, guys. Always a pleasure to talk about Woody, and always a pleasure to be on the podcast with you guys.
1: Awesome. And yes, until next time, when we find out if Abe is still afraid of the dark or not, so long.
0: And goodbye. Theatricality and deception you know, are powerful agents to the uninitiated. But, but we're initiated, aren't we, Bruce? <laughs> <laughs> Members of the League of, 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 I'm paraphrasing, of uh, Shadows.